Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Hall, Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Two weeks left to go in your fantasy football year. If you're playing for rankings, man, it is make or break time. Or for leagues, it's preliminary final week, whether you play the draft or the salary cap formats. There is a ton of stuff we need to get through before we wrap up this episode. I've got Kane back. Hello, mate. How are you? Good. Thank you, MJ. It's exciting now. There's not long to go at all, and there's not many trades, and there's a hell of a lot of games. Yeah, there there is a lot of football that is about to get underway. And in fact, uh, just in a handful of hours at time of recording, the St Kilda Saints take on the West Coast Eagles. And then Thursday night footy rolls through till Monday night at its conclusion. Collingwood taking on Gold Coast. No more buys, no best 18, although some teams might be stuck at best 18. And we'll get to that in just a second. And the important thing, your teams get announced 24 hours prior to. So 6.20 Australian Standard Time or Eastern Standard Time, should I say, uh, is when it is. So at 6.20 this evening, in Melbourne time, Sydney time, that's when you're going to find out about your cats and your tigers and so on and so on. Mate, there's a fair bit to get through, but let's go really right to an important point that a lot of coaches are going to have to face. If you're in Dream Team and Super Coach, and I think there is some AFL fantasy relevance to the discussion, Probably the most important weapon you have in your arsenal, while there are several, probably the most important thing you can have in your team right now is the option to make a trade or two this week. Oh, absolutely. If you've got them up your sleeve, we're going to be talking between you know, 100, 200, and it's depending if it's a premium player that you can get to. Even up to 300 points you could be giving up this week if you don't have cover, especially in the super coach format with some of the ceilings that are, you know, capable of players this year with the condensed fixture. So if you've got them up your sleeve, you've got a huge advantage, especially if you're a league player and you can, yeah. you know, it's a unique in your favor. And I think the timing is what coaches really were careful of last week. As you mentioned off the top, when you don't know teams until 24 hours before, mm. it's really hard to plan. And yeah. I think what we've seen a lot of coaches do is, just be really patient. Unfortunately, they might have to miss the player they would ideally want. But they've had to be you know, cautious enough to wait and see as many teams as they can before they have to pull the trigger on a player. And there's a lot of players, unfortunately, as we sit here you know, before the first game of round 17, under injury clouds already ruled out. Well, let's talk about some of those players. And again, at time of recording, nothing has been confirmed but there is a lot of potential concerns. One of those, Jai Simpkin. It was ruled out midway through the game with a concussion. He is coming off a seven-day break, but let's also be realistic. North season is done. There's no point risking arguably their best player that's playing right now. You know, Cunnington's in the mix, but Simpkin's the brightest star that North Melbourne fans have seen coming through that club for, for the past few years. Throw in Doherty, who had a calf test and there's been a, a strain picked up in that medical scan at yet. Nothing locked and certain he's going to miss, nor certain that he'll play. Zach Williams is questionable coming back from an Achilles. 
Josh Kelly, if you're still holding him from his concussions, already missed two games. No certainty, but promising signs. Jack Martin is is another popular player that a few coaches had kind of gone and picked up a couple of weeks ago, and he's not been, you know, flying. Angus Brayshaw, uh, again, possible guy to come back in, but no certainty that he's going to get picked up. James Warple is definitely out for the year, as is Jack Redden. And all of a sudden... Coaches that find themselves with that trade or two up their hands, or as you've alluded to, can hold their AFL fantasy trades back as late in the round as possible. It actually could be one of those surging moments, either in a deciding decision in a matchup or a little ranking spike, even if you can't get to the top spot. Well, MJ, it divides the community this last few rounds of the season because there's people with trades up their sleeve that want as much carnage as possible. Yeah. And especially what they want is popular players. And, and Doherty is a great one because Simpkin. he is so highly owned. Simpkin, again, really highly owned. Zach Williams and Jack Martin were both guys that, you know, were brought into a lot of teams mainly because they were buy-free. Yeah. Why does it seem and like cheap. every year? We, you know, they, and they were valued, definitely, for what their potential was. And, um, again, I think this has shown what most people know about players. If, if there's an injury risk, you know, one that's unfortunately consistent most years, um, usually it does rear its head again. Luke Shuey was battling a hamstring injury. And what happens? The hamstring goes mm. again. And in this condensed fixture where, you know, a week is two games. Yeah. You know, we saw it with Josh Kelly's concussion, unfortunately. And we obviously don't know what happened with Simkin yet. But, again, it's not much time. No. And it's hard to get everything cleared Um to be right. So, you know, coaches with trades will be wanting things to go wrong in that sense so they can use them and pick up that advantage. The other fact is there's a lot of coaches in great positions overall-wise that will be sitting on no trades. Yeah. Because they've gone really hard to, you know, to try to get points, you know, ahead of everyone else. And the hope is that, you know, this doesn't happen. And and they'll just be governed by, you know, who they have in their team and how, how badly they're hit. But the one thing that immediately jumps out to me, MJ, is, is your cover. You know, yeah. Who is your cover on the pine? And most importantly, when do they play relative to the players that you've got out? So let's start with the Giants in Melbourne. Yep. I think a lot of people, you know, Zach Williams owners, will be watching closely what happens with that team sheet. But also on the pine, a lot of people have Trent Rivers, yeah. who since he's come back to, to the side, has played great footy and produced some really solid scores. Yeah. You know, on the weekend, 82 points he did for yeah. people who didn't have um, who didn't have Zach Williams. That's a really, really handy score. Yeah, 50, 60 odd in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy as well, yeah. And this is where I think it gets interesting. Obviously, if you have no trades, you're just doing whatever you can to get as many bodies on the field. But this is where if you've got, you know, one and mm. you've got cover, try your best to have a look at that score. And, and unfortunately, if you are a Zach Williams owner, you won't be able to have a look at what Tri- at what Trent Rivers does. No. You're just going to have to hope, you know, that he does okay. But there might be other players. For instance, if you've got Doherty. Yeah. yeah. If you've got Doherty, you can actually look and see how Rivers goes. Yeah. And if Rivers, and if Rivers puts out a 60, you might think, well, my replacement for Doherty, you know, might get 100. That's only a 40-point gain. Maybe you can find that 40 points down another avenue. Or, or with a vice captaincy or something. Yeah, yeah or, or maybe by waiting long enough, you can see, you know, if someone else has, you know, pulled up well. Or maybe there will be, you know, there could be a surprise omission just for soreness and these sort of things. So you've yeah. got to weigh up, you know, how much points will I actually generate. Again, you alluded to, you know, Lockie Scholl for, for Adelaide. You know, he he's playing Carlton. So again, you won't be able to look at his score 
before deciding on whether mm. you trade Doherty or not, assuming that he's out. But at least you have that option. And I think we've got to use all these options, even if they're unlikely. You know, Brad Close in the forward line. Yeah. If he's covering potentially a Jack Martin or, or a Jai Simkin, Simkin he's yeah. playing on Friday night. Have a, have a look at him before you, you know, pull the trigger on that move for those two guys again, if they're ruled out. Because if you luck into a 70-plus score from someone like Brad Close, and you're down to your last trade. Hold it. I, I, I think I'd hold it. I'm not going to just be worried about trying to get an extra 30 points when the following week or maybe later in the in the same round, uh, you know, I could make a sideways move from a premium to a premium who's out and net myself 100. So I think people just have to be patient, work out when all their players are playing yep. and what they can and can't do. Again, we mentioned with, with Zach Williams. If Zach Williams is out and you're not confident or you don't have a Trent Rivers or someone like that on the pine, you probably will have to make that move, you know, to cover a donut. But yeah. again, the Brad Closes of the world, uh, you know, there's some people who've still got, you know, Xavier O'Neill. Mm. You, you know, you never know, you know, what maybe people had, you know, Hamish Brayshaw and they'd just been carrying him all year and now he's going to play. Like, yeah. let, as unprobable as it is, let all these rookies as much as you can play, play, on your bench. see what they score, yeah. you know, put the emergency on them, see what they score, and then let that, you know, govern your situation because you don't want to be trading wasting a trade and not getting a points return. Yeah, it's some good advice. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Let's move to salary cap um, league focus just, just for a moment. If you're in a do or die, which all the finals are now, and you look at your opponent and you look at your team, you've got to trade. There's generally this thought will creep into a, thought, a coach's mind. Do I trade to negate that star player they have that I don't? Or do I trade to keep another variable in my team? Generic advice is always dangerous at this time of year because every team's got unique components to their side. But what's your initial thought when a coach comes to you and says, look, he's got player X. I've got this move I want to do. What should I do? Should we negate or should we go for a unique variation to our teams? I think it just comes down to MJ. Are you the person that you feel like it's in your favor or if it's against? If it's yeah. against, I always want to hold a trade if I have one. And I always want to put my captain as late as possible. Yeah. Because what you want to have the ability to do is if things aren't going your way or if they are going your way. And what I mean by that is last week, a lot of people, you know, vice captained or captain Max Gorn in Supercoach. Yep. For people that waited and kept that, maybe they put the vice captain on Gorn and they put the captaincy on Neil. If you were behind in that matchup yeah. and your opponent had Gorn, as good as the captain score as Gorn was, a lot of coaches were able to throw the Hail Mary and move the captaincy to Lockie Neal mm. and just give themselves a chance. And in the end, obviously, Lockie Neal did outscore you know, Gorn by you know 19-odd points. In Supercoach. In yeah. Supercoach. So if you're in that situation... You're going to be, want to be watching what that other person is doing and ideally picking a captain from later in the round. Like, again, obviously you could get, you know, fortunate and nail a captain. Let's say you put the vice captaincy on Mitch Duncan. Yeah. And he scores really well. Danger. Um, yeah. The other thing, MJ, that I did notice, and it was a lot easier last week because we had by players. Yep. So a lot of players, if they loved the vice captaincy score, let's use the example of Gorn again. Yep. They could put the captaincy on Grundy. And solved. the advantage of that was last week was you could track the matchup. If the matchup was going in your favor and you thought, you know, 132 was going to be enough in Supercoach, yeah. you can just relax. 
But the beautiful part of having it on a Grundy was if things were going against you and you need a miracle, yeah, you had the option of trading Grundy because he wasn't locked out until the very last game. And you also had saved your captaincy. So if you had to change it, you could. Mm. So what I'd, be, what I'd be cautious of is just say you are happy with a Mitch Duncan score and he scores really well. That player that you loophole, and at this stage, I think a lot of people have a lot of different players to you know, <laughs> loophole the score on the field. Yeah. Let Make sure that captaincy person, if you can, is playing as late as possible. For instance, if you've got a Conroy, mm. put it on Conroy. Because what that allows you to do is you can track the matchup, and if things aren't going your way and you, you need pivot. something different to get the job done, you haven't wasted the captaincy. Because if you put it on a player, let's say you put it on Sam Sturt, who plays on the Saturday, and you've, and you've locked yourself into Mitch Duncan's score, you can't do anything. Yeah. You, can't, you can't pivot away. So look at your team. See who you can put. Again, if you want to take a vice-captaincy score, who can you put it on at the latest part of the round? Just in case things don't go your way, you can at least throw a Hail Mary and put a captaincy on someone else. Because... You see in these matchups, MJ, that yeah. you know, there's a lot of same, same players, especially with the captaincy. And the flip side, that might allow you, if you're ahead and you've got Lockie Neal and as good as, um, you know, let's say Mitch Duncan again was. Yeah. If you also go Mitch, if you also go Lockie Neal, well, you've neutralized that person's ability to catch back up to you. So it can work in your favor. In, in the reverse. In, in stopping someone catching up to you, even yeah. if Mitch Duncan scored a great score you take the risk out by neutralizing his captain. So that's why I say as good as it is, just let your captain, especially if it's a loophole player, be as late as possible in the round so you can track how that matchup's going. And the lucky thing for coaches is there's probably three or four really strong captaincy options in the back half of this round. Monday night, um, Grundy versus Wits. I think that extra time off of not playing every four or five days for Grundy's going to help. Um, yeah. he, he's certainly been playing a little bit sore and the they've been managing him through. While the club haven't come out and said that, I, I think that's fairly obvious to see. MJ, the other thing as well that's important for Collingwood is Finals. Finals is finals is not a hundred percent guaranteed. They've got but to go if for they it. beat Gold Coast, it is. It is. Because yeah. they've got the they've got Port Adelaide in the last yeah, round. There's no certainty in that one. This so is their win. I think if you if Grundy's gonna be primed for a matchup this is one. it's it's a matchup like this. Yeah, and he's going to outwork wits around the ground. Sure, it might be a bit of an even contest at stoppage, but around the ground, you're going to put your money on on that. Uh, Lockie Neal, Sunday night, up against the Sydney Swans. While they've certainly got a, an improving side, you'd still back yourself in that Lockie Neal's going to be a good option. The Bulldogs and the Hawks, both of Mitchell and McRae, even a Bontempelli, if you don't have any of those options, or, or all three of those players are in, in really strong scoring form. And Matt Crouch, yeah, he's probably a prime target for an Ed Kerno to go to him. But even last week, um, Matt DeBoer, I thought, was going to be heading to him, and he, he went to his brother and to Rory Sloan instead. Yeah, well, that's I think that's the thing. And I think the main point you've touched on there, MJ, is they have to have a ceiling about them, especially yeah. if you're the underdog. Yes. And again, you will have some unique players. If you really think you're a massive underdog, well, your best chance at you know, tipping the tables is to use one of your uniques, the one that you think has the best ceiling about them, yeah. and give them, especially if you can, the vice captaincy, just to differentiate yourself on a player that, you know, that your opponent doesn't have. And again, maybe they'll try to trade in to match you or, or all those 
you know, funds and fun and games. But at least if that happens, you know, you've caused them to use a trade. So again, I think a guy like Bontempelli, especially in the super coach format, we yeah. know when he's at his best, what he can do. Um, Josh Dunkley, McRae, as you mentioned, um, Tommy Mitchell is certainly capable of at his best. But I think there's some guys that you can go off the beaten path and really Find take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some great vice-captaincy options early in the round too. Uh, Geelong versus Richmond. If you're a, a Menegola, which feels crazy to say, but he's in good form, Duncan, Dangerfield. The Tigers just give up points to opposition midfielders and defenders. Gosh, wouldn't it be crazy to put the VC on Tommy Stewart? Um, it, then you look at Essendon. Um, Zach Merritt's in a rich vein of form, even against Port Adelaide. Max Gorn up against either a Mumford or Jacobs. You just think that's a money matchup right there. Uh, and, and, and again, for- a matchup, MJ, where yes, Gorn played nearly 100% yeah. time on ground last week. And funnily enough, results have fallen Melbourne's way. Yeah. For a win against the Giants, There's still a I chance. think a lot of people we're worried and we spoke about it last week what happens if Melbourne's out of the finals race yeah. you know, that that can't be a good thing for, Gorn. for Max Gorn as much of a soldier and as much as he tries to lead from the front someone that's you know taken the beating that he's taken this year yeah. that was definitely a concern for people that traded him in so to see a matchup where a Melbourne win puts them right back in the finals mix again yeah. seems absolutely crazy and like you said as good as Source Jacobs was last week against his old side you'd back Gorn in every day of the week to have a monster score. The other one that I really like too is is Travis Boak, MJ against yeah, Essendon. I like that. At Adelaide Oval, the guy is, is genuinely a Brownlow medal chance. I know Lockie Neal's had an incredible season, but when you're playing for the team that's top of the ladder, yep. you're as consistent as Travis Boak does. He's hitting the scoreboard. Yeah. And really, there's not too many other guys in his team that will take votes from I him. I agree. You know, this is the type of game where you think, as a club, hey, if we can get Travis Boak to have another massive game, he's this is the type of three vote that could get him, you know, in that discussion. He's it would be an absolute deserved winner. So yep. we've seen what he can do this year, and again, especially in Supercoach as well, he's really found a couple of one forties in a row. Yeah, in the got, past three, he's got yeah. a feeling about him, MJ. Where I think you know, last year he was obviously had that blinding start, and then and then fell away for whatever reason, but. He's just in career best form, and as I said, the team is absolutely humming. And if you've got a unique with him after what Essendon dished up last week, and the way that you know Geelong just smashed them from a fantasy point of view, yeah, you wouldn't want to see your opponent have Travis Boak. I'll tell you that. No, that's true. And then the other one, it's definitely a super coach matchup only. Uh, is Nat Fife's history against North Melbourne? is incredible. If you go back and look through those numbers again, if you want to get a guy with ceiling. And arguably, he's going to be a, a unique vice-captaincy option after a pretty pretty underwhelming past couple of scores um, in the Supercoach format. Jeez, it's, these are the kind of moves you need to make, knowing you've got that security blanket of the Neals and the McCrays and the Mitchells a little bit later on in the round. Yeah, th- that's I think he's interesting, isn't he, MJ? I think he has to be a VC, though, doesn't he? Yeah, no, mind? not an actual captaincy. No, VC only. It's... And again, it's part of the role, and, and I think personally that it's really paying off for Fremantle to have moved Fife forward. out of the midfield and to the forward line for a bit more of the game. And, and you've seen it in the way Sarong, Brace, or Chera are all playing and scoring. They've, yeah. you know, they've really delivered in that sense. But when you look at his past month, and again, Supercoach is clearly the format, there's three scores in the mid 80s in there, MJ, which yeah. is very unnatural. That's normally his half time score. And again, the one big game is the 132 against Richmond, who we know are a team that 
are very happy to let the opposition best, you know, do as they please. Yeah. Um, so again, I'd be very hesitant, you know, to put, put the captaincy on him. Again, he hasn't had a, a 130, you know, five-plus score since round three against mm. Port Adelaide, which was pre the injury and pre the role change. So um, VC, it's a, again, it's a great matchup, isn't it? Yeah. North Melbourne, the situation they're in, the way that Fremantle's playing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have the courage, even if I if it's a unique and you know I'm trying to you know roll the dice in a head to head. I think I'd still want to go somewhere else just because you know, it's not the same Fife role of of years of past when obviously he's got that you know incredible record against North when he had that um, that role. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, let's talk about that Fremantle and North game because there's one player in there that has had a pretty strong season up until the last month or so. I'm referring to Todd Goldstein uh, as a an interesting matchup against a Lob and a Darcy combination, more than likely, how they're going to continue to roll on. And normally you go, look, he's been poor of late. He started actually incredibly well last round, but then pretty much from quarter time onwards, just really faded out of the game. However, it is his 250th game. Is that something that should be enough for coaches as a carrot to go, look, maybe he does turn it on? this game and maybe he's that unique matchup for me either in rankings or leagues that I need or is it you know what if you've got the luxury of moving him on in a trade he should be the first yeah. premium out what do you think I think it's a really tough one MJ because the matchup you know doesn't terrify me as no. good as you know Sean Darcy is as a young ruckman and, and Rory Lobb's a very capable you know number two when he steps in for stints it's not a you know very scary matchup. The one in round eighteen against Nick Natanui, don't love that. So if you're looking you know collectively yeah. and you think you might get to the grand final and you can move him on early, you know maybe that's the case. Another thing I think definitely helps Goldstein is he's had a seven day break. Yeah. And when you think about they had the bye before that, they basically had two, they played two games in, in fourteen, 14 days. days. What a, so what a novelty. That, yeah, that's it's very unusual this season and. Um, you know, there was a period, even though he scored pretty well in this time, you know, against Melbourne in round 11, he played 81 minutes. Before this, he was mainly playing in the high 90s. Yeah. And again, that was when Magic Daw was in the team. 82 minutes, 86, 88, and then 91. So the minutes are climbing back up. Yeah. Which is really, really encouraging because we know, like any player, the more you're on the ground, the more chances you have of scoring. So if, you know, I've got one trade left, yep. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't think I'm too bothered. I think he can give you a 120 type of score in Supercoach this week. Again, looking ahead to West Coast, doesn't feel great. But again, yeah. maybe you get fortunate in West Coast, you know, give Nick Natanui another week off. Um, but it's encouraging for me that those minutes have been on a climb steadily for the past five or six weeks. And like you mentioned, he had a great first quarter when North Melbourne was, you know, relatively in the game yeah. by the standards. Once the game blew apart, he was nowhere. It didn't suit Todd Goldstein, and um, you know, he still finished with a ton. But in after the first coach, quarter, yeah. you're you know he, he got half his score in the first quarter. So again, he's not a high priority for me to be trading out. Definitely not someone I'd be bringing in with the other options around. And I feel like for most coaches, MJ, they're they're probably just stuck with him, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I think the only format, and again, maybe you're in a position in Dream Team where you've got four trades because in yeah. his past four weeks of scoring, uh, it's been 59, 63, 58, and 88. Now, if you play AFL Fantasy, he did pick up his average um, in uh, round 15, which was an 83 at that point in time, but you've got to go back to round six for his last score over 90. 
So it's an interesting one in both AFL fantasy and dream team formats where, yeah, I think in Supercoach, I think if you've still got him, and unless you've got four-plus trades, it feels pretty luxurious, especially yeah. with some potential carnage. But in those formats where he's struggling to match it, even with the potential bench cover of a Sam Draper. Well, that's a worry, isn't it, MJ? When you've got a guy worry. on your pine that's genuinely scoring uh, within the vicinity of him. It's a lot a of cash. Flag. And I know it's, it's obviously something that you know we'll get to in the next preseason, but clearly the North Melbourne game style has moved heavily away. When you think about what North Melbourne were at the start of the year, yeah. they used the boundary all the time. Mm. And, what, and why they did that was they thought, in most matchups, we have the best Ruckman in most games, mm. and we like our inside mids you know, to just win that battle and, and, and grind the ball forward. And you look at how Goldstein started the season, he was averaging in the high 30 hit-out range for the first two months of the year. Yeah. In the last you know, seven to eight weeks, when North Melbourne's, you know, they've started to fall away and I know they've lost some key bodies, but, sure. you know, they did try to, you know, have a conscious effort of attacking more. You know, it, it hasn't worked out clearly, but Todd Goldstein's highest hit out count since round nine is 26. Yeah. His lowest in the first eight games was 26. He had 51 in there, 41. So the game style, you know, North Melbourne can't put that pressure on. They can't force stoppages, which obviously, early in the season was giving Goldstein more chances that hit out, hit out to advantage, clearances, all that great stuff. They can't get that pressure on opposition. So yeah. people like Port Adelaide, you look at the numbers, players, Rockliffe, Boak, Wines, they want to field that because they're just holding the ball and moving it at will. So I think that's really hurt Goldstein as well and explains uh, his demise. Yeah, unfortunately, if you're in a position to trade him, great, but I think a lot of coaches will just have to be stuck with him and um, he's probably another guy that you know, we won't see in too many sides going forward just due to his age and the club he's at. Yeah, and, and if you are considering to moving him on, if you're in that luxurious position in Dream Team, where you've got multi, you know more than two trades probably, well, I would call that luxurious. AFL Fantasy, sure, you, maybe you don't have as much potential flagged, I might not get injured, Doherty, Simpkin, Williams type guys. The problem is, he's got the third game of the entire round. And so the guys you're probably looking to move him to, most likely being a Gorn on Saturday night or an O'Brien on Sunday afternoon, there's a lot of things that can take place between those two games. You can't look at Draper's score against Port yeah. Adelaide as the loophole option through there. So so it's a, it's a difficult decision with Goldstein because it could almost impact whether or not you get another premium or you cop a donut at some point down the line in the round if things don't go your way. Yeah, great point, MJ. Normally, North London don't have the games earlier in the round. They've had it the last few weeks just with the way the season's gone. So it, it makes it really hard, in my mind, to trade him unless you are so confident in the players that you have you know, been named. Mm. You've got great cover. It, it seems super luxurious. It's just unfortunate, especially in Supercoach, a lot of people brought him in and his average was in the mid to high 120. When Gorn went out injured, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately... It just hasn't gone that way. You know, as I said, the North Melbourne game styles moved away from him. You know, it's gone to the Luke McDonald, you know, chip and possess rather than the repeat stoppages. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just a learning, isn't it, for us that, you know, you've got to really pay attention to everything that's happening. And, and obviously we saw the minutes plummet as well, which yeah, was that a massive helped. concern because early in the season it was, incredible the amount of time on feet Goldie was getting on the ground. So, yeah. yeah, one of those decisions that I think a lot of coaches at the end of the season will look back and think, if I'd gone another direction there, 
or even if I just held Gorn and used a Draper, I'm probably in a lot better position. So, yeah. yeah, really tricky one with Goldie. Good lesson to learn. If As we look at this round as a whole, are there any players or matchups that for you, you go, okay, I, I think there's something there? Because for some coaches, they're either trying to buy some uniqueness into their side or buy low on something. I know a lot of people have got really keen on Blake Hakers, who right back January 1st, it feels like an eternity to do it. We wrote about him in the 50 most relevant. He kicked it off that, hey, if he gets that midfield time and roll, he showed at St Kilda he's a scorer across all formats. Better super coach, but a scorer across all formats. Is someone like an Akers or a, a great pickup for us this week? Is there a matchup in, in the other eight games that you see and go, no, there's some money to be made and some, you know, potential grand final positions up for grabs for us if it goes well. Yeah, I think I think he definitely is relevant, MJ, because if we think about the players we mentioned off the top, Williams, Doherty, Simpkin, Jack Martin, none of them are super, super top value. So if yeah. you're a coach with very little in the kitty, you're probably going to be looking at some sort of combination. Let's just say, and as you mentioned at the time of recording, we don't know if this is the case, but you know, if a Simpkin and a Doherty are out mm. and you've got no cash in bank, all of a sudden a Blake Acres is super appealing. You know, you get a little bit of cash, you know, to be made. But also you look at the matchup. North Melbourne. And especially if you're in a if you're a cash league player and you want an instant reward, the way Fremantle are possessing the ball, it's like they had nearly a hundred more disposals than Melbourne yeah. in torrential range. <laughs> and and clearly if you watch the way Blake plays he covers the ground really nice. Yep. He's not an, he's not an elite user of the ball, but he's Far competent. From. Yeah, he's solid. And he's, and he's a good mark, and he, he's very capable of tackling. And, um, you know, since he's returned to the side, he, he's been terrific. And that game style, unlike we spoke about with Goldstein, the game style's pivoted in a direction that really suits Blake Akers. Yeah. He works hard to space. He can take a mark. He's, he's not a small... He's six foot three, six foot four. And like, he's, he's a very unit. capable, um, you know, on the inside as well. So I think you have to consider a bit like that because... If he pops, you know, let's say an 80 to 100 in DT, mm. it doesn't really matter that next week they've got the doggies. No. You know, if they're not super hard, they're not very easy on the flip side, but they're a team that you can score against. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we've got two games left, MJ. That's it. Yep. The other one I do I do like is a, a cheaper unique, and, they, and they've just got a terrific fixture in my eyes, is Darcy Byrne-Jones in defense. Yeah, nice. Again, you've got Essendon this week, who just absolutely bled a truckload of points. You know, they could not, and maybe there's an argument in some people's minds that you know they were so bad last week that surely they show something. But Port Adelaide's at home, you know, they're just such a well-oiled machine, and and Darcy's certainly a player that's very capable of good scores. You know, yeah. I'm talking 80 plus DT this year, 100 plus super coach. coach. Yep. Not very expensive. And, he, and he's shown a proven track record that he can score. Start of the year was really the, good. Yeah. Started the season really well. We know that you know Ryan Burton um, has been in and out of that side. Dan Houston's had different roles. But Darcy's a very capable scorer. And I think against a side like Essendon, can score easily. And they finish with Collingwood. If you've seen any of the Collingwood, any of the numbers that defenders have got against Collingwood. For like the past three years, they just it's money. Just the way they play, it allows defenders to possess the ball take a lot of marks so yeah. when i think about a guy like darcy who's more than capable of that yeah like again as we keep saying it's two games that's all you don't I need. need you don't need a massive stretch and i think if you're strapped for cash um you can do a lot worse than a guy like darcy burn jones and again blake Akers up forward the forward line as a whole is it's really really 
tricky, I find. Like, there's a very clear crew of the top Whitfield, Petrarca, Dusty, Andy Brayshaw. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, people who have shopped in the ponds of, you know, Toby Green, obviously Jack Martin with yeah. the injury, um, you know, Jai's obviously had his ups and downs due to injury and form. And then, you know, even people who tried to go for a Jeremy Cameron or even last week thought maybe Riccardi might be useful Hold against on. the Crows, yeah. which on paper looks like a good matchup. He scored in the teens in DT and in, in the low, in the high 20s in Supercoach. Yeah. So it's a line where maybe you do feel if you've got that pairing of Simpkin and, and Doherty, maybe you try to go really cheap on the defense front and just ride a matchup and get yourself, you know, a Brayshaw if you don't have it. You know, mm. maybe you do something like that. And I know there's been a bit of talk, you know, about Liam Duggan, obviously with West Coast having yeah. a depleted midfield. Um, you know, he's certainly going to get some opportunity, according to Adam Simpson. The hard thing for me with Duggan is he's already played really well. So he's not a very cheap option. And on the flip side, you know, because he actually scored well in the midfield. Have we seen enough MJ to suggest yeah. that? Because there's some guys like a Duggan that when West Coast possess the ball, he can rack up really quick with the kick mark. Yeah. Now, if you're playing inside mid, if you're not tackling, you can, we've seen some, and we've seen with Gaff MJ, you don't want Gaff on the inside. No, and he's around the ball the like that. You want him on the outside linking up, using his, you know, hard running, and he's a very tidy kick. So, Sometimes midfield minutes for some players isn't exactly, you know, what you want. We saw it with Elliot Yo that it actually took a bit of time for him to adjust to scoring in the midfield role. He was great in years past, you know, loose in defense, great mark, kicking the ball. So, yeah. again, I, I see the appeal with Duggan with that opportunity that presents at Westos. And, you know, maybe he goes ballistic in there. And yep, he just has an weeks. absolute field day. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the price, you know, there's a lot of good guys. Like Nick Haynes isn't that far away from him. Yeah. You know, and because that bad score he had a few weeks ago, that's dropping. He's about to roll out. So I feel like you know, he's a safe guy against Melbourne. Um, if you're just very risk adverse and you just want a guy that you can, you know, depend on, yeah. he's going to be very, very, very solid. Even that stinker he had a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, and like, it's the Saints the week after, which is a, a pretty yeah, nice matchup too. Because Geary's not so, forward tagging anymore. Yeah. Again, maybe you feel really. Again, there's a guy who's got a big ceiling in Supercoach, Peter Laddam. You yeah. think about the matchup, he's just come off a three-game suspension for an incident that, you know, he'd be very embarrassed by. Yep. He's playing against Essendon. Again, not super, super scary for a guy that's capable of clunking massive contested marks. No. The ruck line of Essendon's far from terrifying, as promising as Draper looks. Yep. You're not going to be super worried. And then, again, Collingwood, you can score against them also, and especially with their defence you know, being quite underwhelming. Yeah. For, you know, again, they were one of the best defensive sides, but there's not a matchup that you'd be super worried if you let him. As good as a Darcy Moore is, he's not really that type of guy. Um, again, there's a capability there with his scoring ceiling. You throw in the midfield time he'll get as a ruckman with the hitouts in that engine room. But he's shown he's capable of one, you know, 30, 140 plus scores in Supercoach. And he's, you'd have, you'd have to think, has a massive point to prove. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Look, if you're looking um, for a cheap option in Supercoach up forward, maybe a Simpkins missing or maybe you're desperately finding a way to get Riccardi off the field, it's only like 60K from Riccardi up to a Connor Rosie. And with no Zach Butters in the side, maybe just that little extra midfield opportunities. He keeps building some fitness and strength back into that body. Missed a fair few games this year due to injury. Clearly been playing a little bit sore in the front to middle half of the year. 
I actually quite like that as a ceiling type guy. Ben Ainsworth, if you want to go real unique, Collingwood and Hawthorne, the final two matchups. In fact, in all formats of the game, I, I don't mind that as a, a cheap pickup in an AFL fantasy or, or, or a dream team. I think there's something through there. So there are players that are there. Um, it's looking at the matchups and, and realizing that the matchups have evolved and changed. A month ago, you wanted to have midfielders against the Crows. That was the matchup. You wanted to make sure, and that's why people loaded up on their Giants a month ago, and it was the right call a month ago. Whereas as we've seen the past few weeks with Sloan back in the side, Brad Crouch back in the side, Matt Crouch has turned his season around. And then the emergence of Scholl and McPherson have allowed Rory Laird to stay in the midfield and not just be the coverage for those guys. And all of a sudden, those four boys, they're all mid to late 20s, mature bodies, and all strong enough around the contest. They're not going to bleed the points like they were five, six weeks ago. So so matchups change over time. MJ, the one I'm curious about too, let's say it's probably more of an AFL fantasy question due to the trades you have available sure. you know, at your disposal. Just say you're healthy. You don't have any of the guys we've mentioned throughout the show. You've, you've pretty much got a completed side. Yep. Who are the guys, because there's a few that jump out to me this week, that you would look at as premium players that you would trade out because you're worried about the matchup. You know, I think about, again, we keep saying this, if if the ball goes you know, to Oliver. Is he going to really lock in on it, Oliver? Yeah. Is he going to lock in on a Petrarca? And, and to be honest, as you mentioned with Adelaide, he went to three different players at times in that game and really was ineffective. didn't stop any of them. Yeah, he was ineffective in all. Again, he, as you said, he was on Brad at times. He was on Sloan at times. He was on Matt for a quarter. But it just—it even went to Laird for you know a few of the stoppages, but didn't really you know go that way. Again, a lot of people were worried about you know what does Tuke Miller do to a, a Neil or a Zorko? What does Hugh Greenwood do to a Neil or a Zorko? Yeah, and it had absolutely no effect. Again, on the flip side, Matt Fife was as clamped as he's ever been by Matt DeVore. So yeah, if you're a coach and you've got Clayton Oliver and you're looking at your side and you can't really work out what you want to do. Do you move someone like him on? Yeah. Or do you just upgrade, you know, maybe your, your lowest scoring premium to another premium? You know, do you, again, as I keep saying, there's only two rounds to go. If one of these guys cops a really poor score. And gets you the 50, yeah. Gets you a 50. Like, how do you play that, MJ? Oh, I, I think that ultimately it determines, it comes down to what are the type of coach you are and what is the risk that you are prepared to run? It is the risk of being wrong and making the move or the risk of being right and not making the move. And so what I mean by that is you go, Clayton Oliver's going to get tagged. Clayton Oliver's going to get tagged. I know he's going to get tagged, but I'm going to choose to hold him because I think he might not, even though you believe he will. And you, you look at another matchup. Maybe it's a Mitch Duncan up against Richmond. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, I know it's good, but I'm not going to touch it. And then Duncan fires and Oliver gets tagged. Yep. That and, and that could genuinely be a seventy-point swing this a week. Huge swing in both formats of the game. Yeah, in, in absolutely both. One of them to go a one twenty, and the other to go to sixty. Like that's a genuine switch that we could see. Oliver gets tagged, Duncan gets free reign. That's a 50, 60 point swing. So my thing for you as a coach, rather than saying this is what you should do, is what could you live with more? Holding Oliver, knowing that he's probably getting attacked. Let's be honest, GWS's season is on the line, as is Melbourne's. Whoever wins this game probably stops the other from ever having a chance to make finals. You win, you're still a chance. 
You need things to go in your favor, but you're still a chance. So there is no way DeBoer's not picking Petrarca or Oliver. One of those two, he's going after. I think Oliver, because that's who he's done the job before against and pretty successfully. Um, so it's got to be, what do you want to do? Do you want to be wrong, but on the right side of it? Or do you want to be right and be on the wrong side of it? Whatever you can live with most, that's the way you should play it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because we even saw Dylan Clark go to Cam Guthrie of all players <laughs> in that matchup. And, and there doesn't seem to be, you know, the number of players that are, you know, genuine taggers Anymore. each and every week. Yeah. The one that was very interesting last week, and he's always a danger, and he would be a danger again this week because he can do a really good job mm. of it. I just don't know if it's the type of guy he'd go to. Is We saw Toby McLean go to gas. Yeah, and did a number on him. did an absolute number on him. Again, is he the type of guy that goes to a Tommy Mitchell? Probably not, because he's not... He doesn't... Again, to to play Toby inside is to take away from, you know, McRae, Dunkley, Bonds, and and they love what Liver does in there as well, alongside Bad Smith. So maybe it's it's not that type of guy, but, you know, you start thinking, you know, what... Where does he go? Again... Would he go to a scrimshaw and just try to take away from his rebounding? I know he's been a unique player um, in a lot of sides. But, again, there's not... DeBoer is the obvious one. DeBoer's got Oliver. He's got Steele. Yeah. So you'd have to think he'd go that way in the last two weeks. You know, maybe you got on the front foot and, and move those guys. The hard thing about moving an Oliver and a Steele is they've got so many avenues to score in their side. Yeah. In their game, sorry. They can take marks. They can tackle... Like they do all that stuff, but it's not as simple as a guy who's an outside player. And if you take away his marks, like he's not really going to score that well. So there's not a really bleedingly obvious, you know. Does an Ed Perno follow around a Matt Crouch? Mm. You know, there's a there's no one really MJ that I think that's a massive worry. You know, yeah. That's a huge a huge worry because. A lot of teams just aren't going that way at the moment. It's true. As we're recording this episode, good news. Uh, if you're a Zach Williams or a Josh Kelly owner, the club have come out just in the past handful of minutes and have confirmed that both are available to play. Well, that's massive for that matchup in general, yeah. MJ. Isn't it? And to be honest, though, and this is just, we've seen it with a player like Zach Williams. Mm. If I'm the GWS, absolutely, I'm telling Melbourne that Zach Williams and Josh Kelly are playing. Yeah. Let that let's let them prepare all week to play these two guys, but a player like Zach Williams and the, the issues he's had, unfortunately, staying on the park. Yeah. If I'm a Zach Williams owner, I am waiting until I see that ball bouncing him on the field. Yeah. Um, you're not just waiting for the 90 minutes final teams. No, you're no, keeping you're it like the, the player runs out through the warm up. Yeah. No, absolutely, Andrew. That's just the type of unfortunately guy he is. And again, when you've got Achilles, these things, you know, they can be. And then Jitterbugs could be totally honest and be saying that he is fine. But we know with those type of injuries, it, they can flare up at any stage. Yeah, he can pull up tight in the warm-up and all of a sudden. that's good news because he's a very popular pick, especially in, in Supercoach. Yeah, he certainly is. All right, as we get close to wrapping up this episode, what what's one bit of advice you give a fantasy coach that's going after the overall rankings? Look, in Dream Team, no one's catching Ritz. Let's just be honest. He's number one. Fox is number two. Both members of the panel. So, you know, the boys are dominating through there. Represent the brand, Brad. Lads, nice work. No one's catching Rids. He is so far ahead of everybody else. And he'll hate me saying it, but he's so far ahead of everyone else. No one can catch him. It's not humanly possible. 
given what he can do through there. So so we know that no one can catch the dream team leader. AFL Fantasy and Supercoach, it's game on. If you're in those only handful of spots, genuinely, that's all it is, inside the top 10 to 20 that could catch the leaders, what's your advice for coaches that are chasing and chasing hard for that title in AFL Fantasy and Supercoach? I want someone that's got a ceiling, MJ. Yeah. It's, for me, it's that simple, especially in those formats. It's hard to create separation. Yeah. And separation this year is guys that can get in that 120 territory. And it's a very hard thing to do. You know, that's a monstrous score. And again, Matt Crouch has been that guy yep. in, lately. Dane Zorko, we saw on the weekend, has that potential to go bang. Like, mm. I'm looking through these matchups and I'm just, if I was one of those coaches, I'd be thinking, who's a player that's really on no one's radar at this stage? Mm. And what I mean by that is, again, if you're in that top handful, it's not hard to look at the opposition you're you know, contending with and seeing, yeah. does anyone have Josh Dunkley in DT? Yeah. A player that when he fires, he can absolutely go Bananas. bang. Yeah. Absolutely go bang. And obviously with those players, there can be risk of, you know, scores in the 40s and 50s. But sure. if you're really just throwing the kitchen sink and are going pure upside, you need guys with the ceiling. Again, Travis Boak. And this is a guy that, honestly, if I was going for a one-hit burst, I'd actually go for him over Travis Boak. Yeah, right. Is Tom Rockley. Yeah. Because Dylan Clark did try to tag last week. He, he wasn't extremely successful against Cam Guthrie. But he tried. And, but he tried, and he kept him relatively low until Guthrie chunked it up. But I got Rockley. He's not going to get rested in game. Like, that's the other thing you've got to worry about. If a Travis Boke and, you know... The game's over at halftime, yeah. Again, they can manage him through. Like a Tom Brookliffe, you know, he's had... He's been out of the side. He's There's no problem letting him play 90% time on ground. Totally. um, If it means that Travis Boke plays 70. So, these are the type of guys... Like, you know, we know what Rocky can do. We, we know he's, he's got the biggest ceiling league. we've he's seen. He's got one of the biggest things we've ever seen in the game. Yeah. And the frequency as well. And, um, and he's, he's in the good type form. Of guy. He's in great form. And I think he is the type of guy that I think if I need that upside, that potential, matchup tick, form tick, yeah. you know, scoring history tick. Like, it has to be a player like that. There's no point picking a guy. And unique. Just, just rock solid. Yeah. And, exactly, and he's unique. That's and it's rock solid. Like, you need to go different. You know, you need to go different and be seeing um, you know, who can really separate yourself. And I think in, in the DT point of view, Rockliffe is that guy. Because, yeah. again, Collingwood, they're not going to bother putting time into anyone. What no. you, as I said, sometimes, MJ, it's actually easier to pick the guys that might have a poor game than pick guys that have a monster game. And, and like we said, the Olivers, you know, that – that can be a really tough matchup. Again, you wouldn't be feeling confident with any Richmond players against Geelong when you know what they can do. They can hog a ball for a half mm. and just keep it to themselves and really deprive the opposition. So, like a Hawley or a Short, like I just wouldn't feel super comfortable, no. you know, taking a punt as good as they can be. Like I'm looking at the matchup yeah. and just seeing, you know, what is this person's best score? Because you don't, you don't need it to be the score they'd get, you know, all the time. You need it to be the score they get this week, one off. And yeah, I think Rockliffe's probably that prototype. Even you get guys like Ed Kerno. Yeah. MJ. You know, guys that can just have these monster scores. Um, and certainly, certainly capable of it. So I think, yeah, Rockliffe, Dunkley, 
you know, we know we know the crew that have this upside that if it all clicks, it's absolutely monstrous. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's some really really good advice to uh, to help coaches absolutely fire home towards the end of their twenty twenty season. You've just got uh, just two rounds left to go in the year. This week, your preliminary final, whether it's draft focused or league focused, that's where you're at. Um, and then uh, rankings. Well, they're going to be determined by what happens the following week, and there are some juicy matchups when we look at next week. Uh, if you want to look very, very quickly into round 18, ones that immediately capture your eye, West Coast players up against a likely struggling to get to the end of the year, North Melbourne. MJ, especially the forwards, and we know in, in, yeah. in keeper leagues, if you can get in a little bit early mm-hmm. and maybe just stash a couple of uh, Darling, West Coast Kennedy, forwards. Kennedy. Luke, uh, Liam Ryan, yeah, he's I been in say. good form. Like, this is where the really, really clever coaches yeah. all of a sudden, if they do get through, so they don't, if they think like, I've got a good team this week, yeah. you know, I've got a few spots on the bench, you know, you get to that grand final week and those your opponents looking in the waiver pool and worry and wondering where all the West Coast forwards are. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's a really you know thinking ahead type, type of, move. of move. We know, obviously, Richmond. Against the the crows. crows, but that's again. I don't think it's as juicy as we might have initially thought. Hawthorne, maybe again against Gold Coast, but you might say the opposite too. That Gold Coast against Hawthorne, yeah, could could be juicy. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that type of stuff, especially in drafts, MJ as well. You want potential, massive scoring potential, and you want to put them on the emergency. You want to give them the Take emergency the on the bench. Yeah. So, so look at who's playing early in in the rounds. Like you look at what round eighteen is now, and West Coast perfect. It's a Thursday game. Yeah, both after times. that, you've got the Giants and the Saints on a Friday. So, look for those teams. Rotham, see Nielsen, what you can do. Those kind of guys. Yeah, and again, West Coast is probably perfect because at least you have the option this week along with St Kilda. So, mm. if you can get any guys and put them on the pine, and they have a ceiling about them, awesome. You know, that's where you can really set yourself up in a in a draft format where. You know, everyone's unique in that matchup. So if you can separate yourself and get a few good scores up your sleeve, yeah. again, you go a long way to winning it. And quick one while we're on draft leagues, MJ, if you're in a keeper league and Tom DeConing's on the, Grab him. the waivers in a keeper, with the news of, you know, Matthew Cruiser retiring today, um, you know, Mark Pittnett, clearly the position they recruited him in was to, you know, be that player to replace Cruiser if he went down and, you know, not put all the weight on the coning, but what he's starting to show in the last few weeks is like he's going to be a pretty serious and a, certainly a long-term Carlton Ruckman. And Ruckman aren't easy to find, not ones that play every week. So if you're in a keeper league, especially if you've got a rookie list in your league, I would be grabbing him right now and just stashing him away. Are there any other guys that you just go, look, If you, depending on the depth of your league, and every keeper league is different, um, and that's what we love talking about here at the Coaches Panel, all formats and all styles of fantasy footy. That's why we kind of jump around um, from one format to one style to another. But if you're in a keeper league, season's done, you know, depending on list squads, I get that changes. Yeah. Who are the guys you go, if you could just have a look at them off the waivers, it might be worth it because either a positional change comes, a trade comes, or or in these cases, a player moves on that opens up a, a permanent opportunity. Are there any players that immediately jump to mind for you? Yeah, there's a lot of guys that immediately jump to mind, MJ. And the time of year where we start hearing some of these reports, 
Again, I don't know if these are waiver guys. They're probably guys you'd have to trade for. Sure. But Charlie Constable, Quinton Narkel, you know, the reports about them maybe looking for new homes and, mm. and both have enormous um, junior number pedigree, which you know, I both agree is so important to projecting forward mm. at the AFL level. But they've also played and scored really well at AFL level. When given chances. In, yeah. Exactly. They just happen to be in one of the deepest sides um, in the competition at the moment. Again, up at the Suns, Braden Fiorini, Will Brody. Again, we mentioned preseason that when you bring in players of Matt Rao and Noel Anderson's quality, yeah. along with a guy like Hugh Greenwood, and who's Brandon you know, Ellis. very good on the inside and Ellis on the outside, there is going to be a squeeze. Yeah. And, and fortunately, a lot of those guys have been really healthy for them outside of Rao. So True. they haven't given guys like Fiorini and Brody a chance. Uh, much of a go. But again, we both know they're really super to competent scorers. Yep. Uh, Connor Blake. Again, on a, on a higher level, same level, I'd be pushing hard for Rowan Marshall. Yeah. If there's, if there's an opportunity to get Rowan Marshall, he's going to be a ruck forward next year, year for sure. I agree. Next year, sorry, for sure. And um, Paddy Wright is great because he's a great center bounce ruckman. You know, he's, he's right up there um, in the crew just behind Nick Nat. Nick Nat's clearly the best center bounce ruckman. But after that, at that skill of the game, mm. Paddy Ryder is elite. And then what that allows Marshall to do is start in the forward line. And he's going to pick up uh, forward status for sure and, and be one of the most valuable assets in a keeper league um, long term. I think the ones you've also got to start thinking about, MJ, is who's had a really great season out of the blue? You know, yeah. we saw last year that, you know, Darcy McPherson had this incredible season. But again, when you bring all these names in. into the side, you know, you know what happens? Like, Essendon's a team that always intrigued me. Like, Dylan Shield, he's had a really great season. And I think the shortened game has certainly helped him. And we'll see what happens going forward. But I'm looking at the likes of Darcy Parrish, Zach Merritt, Dylan Shield. Devin Smith's been pushed to the half back line. Like it's mm. a really, it's a really a team that I'd, I'd be really scared, you know, investing in long term because there seems to be so much uncertainty. And yeah. then also you throw in the fact they're not winning. It, if it's not, if you're not winning, that's when things are going to be changed. Changed. The, the, the real top dog that I would be chasing just on his role is Josh Dunkley. If yeah. you can do anything to get Josh Dunkley, all likelihood he's going to be a forward next year. Yeah, I think he's mid forward. We we already have him in the top ten in our books, MJ, as a yep. keeper prospect as a mid, you throw on that forward tag, he he rises into the top, you know, I'll say top five. You know, look, I'll tell someone right now, look, it, it, it'd take a pr- an injury to stop him from being inside the top 10 of the 50 most relevant next year. I'm just telling you right now, like, spoiler alert, for in nine months' time, how it's going to play out. Like, there's just no way that if he is a forward, and I think he picks it up, um, yeah. that he's not. The I, other one, sorry, MJ, is, um, and this is a, a team that I've honestly had a lot of success just picking up their players because they always seem to find new homes and a mm. lot of them seem to succeed pretty well. Is You can never go wrong getting a Giants player. So a Haightley Caldwell type? Haightley Caldwell, O'Halloran, all of these guys, there always seems to be so much currency about them. And you look at the list of players that have left the club and had really phenomenal fantasy Adams, years. Adams, Trelaw. Adams, Trelaw, Jack Steele. Hoskin Elliott um, even for a period Hoskin of time. And then we even look at more recently, I think this guy's gone under the radar and I'm sure if you're a keeper owner, you know how good he's been of late, but Will Setterfield's yep. really starting to click. Matt Kennedy, when he got his body right, was, um, right? was right up there as a forward as well. So um, it's never a bad thing, whether it's in the redraft, the initial draft. If you can get some Giants young players, 
if they don't make the team, I promise you they'll be at a new home in the next year or two. Again, Aiden Bonner hasn't quite worked out, but again, he's had his own physical issues. issues. And, and, and no, no North Melbourne players really setting the world on fire. But yeah, I'd be looking at a cheeky bid if I could for a Haightley, a Caldwell, and particularly an O'Halloran because I think he's the most gettable yeah. of those three. Because um, if, if these guys find new homes, they're all really capable scorers. But they're you all very this different side. players. Yeah. And you got to do it yeah. this side of, of the deal because the moment... Uh, once Trade hit... Radio starts going, MJ, uh, you know that the value of these players... Oh, it'll cost you three first-round picks to get Jai Caldwell. Um, yeah. and, and he might only just be a mid-only option for you next year. And then yeah. it depends on the team he goes to, which is part of exactly. Bonner's issue. He went to a team where they exactly. didn't need an inside bull, and that's where he was hoping to become. Proust was yeah. an example of it. Yeah. The other ones is maybe some of these older guys. Yeah. Like, I always think an Isaac Smith, you know, any of these guys that are, you know, unrestricted free agents. Yeah. If there's that, again, sometimes MJ, as you know, in a keeper league, get them cheap. Half of it is, is having them cheap and moving them on before the season starts while there is that hype. Yeah. So it's almost a stock exchange type of game. That's why we love it so much. There's so much that goes into it. But we know in about, you know, a month's time, the amount of names that are going to be flying across the desk of everyone in the yeah. AFL community, like, there's just natural rises. So I think this is a really, you know, interesting time for keeper leagues, especially if your league leaves waivers on. You know, a yes. lot of the leagues we play in, um, you know, list lodgements not until um, all the way into the NAB or to the um, pre-season game. So if waivers is on and people are picking up and dropping, you can get some absolute bargains um, this time of year. And we've, again, we've already seen two retirements today. So all that stuff will start shaking out and, and typically when a player moves there usually is a, a promise of opportunity and as a result a spike and at the same time um, a dip in the players that have remained at that club that you know might be vulnerable to their role and as you said with the Suns you know McPherson, Fiorini and Brody they're either not getting a look in or their scoring's absolutely plummeted so you got to look at the whole what comes in and out of a club because again unless you're one of the top dogs you do get massive swings in average yeah, it's certainly true. Hey, mate, appreciate your work uh, on this episode today. No worries, MJ. Thank you. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I hope uh, for you and your team, you have found your way in your league preliminary final matchup this week. We certainly hope everything goes your way to get you into the grand final. Perhaps you've already advanced through to the grand final, depending on how your final system is, and you're sitting pretty into this round. I hope you enjoy a, a little bit of a quiet week getting ready for the final week of 2020. Good luck for you and no matter what you do I hope it certainly goes your way and from all of us here at the coaches panel we'll chat to you again at least one more time in 2020